What is the reason I can't pick my nose in public? What is that man doing? Why do I have to take a nap? Why is the sky blue? Why do dogs get to poop outside? Why do we kill dandelions and not tulips? Kids are curious. And they don't know stuff, and they know they don't know stuff, so they ask questions, tons of questions, sometimes to the point of making adults insane. But at some point in life, adults stop asking questions. We just think we're supposed to know it all. You know, and I think especially in the world of faith, some of us feel ashamed that we don't know stuff. But whatever the reason, adults stop asking questions, good questions. And I think that's a tragedy. Jesus got asked a ton of questions. Read through the Gospels. And you know what? He almost always answered a question with another question. Or with a story. Rarely did Jesus just stand in front of people and recite a litany of facts. It's not how Jesus taught. I believe, we believe, Jesus gives us permission to ask questions. And that's what we're going to do this summer. We're kicking off the series this morning. It's just called, What Is? And we're going to ask a lot of questions, we teachers. And strangely, I hope the teachings create even more questions in our hearts because questions can serve as kind of these guide ropes that lead us not just to deeper and deeper answers, but to the source of any and all truth, God himself. One of the things we believe in so strongly here at Orchard is not only gifts-based ministry, meaning if your gift is teaching, you teach. If your gift is leading worship, you lead worship. If your gift is working in the sound booth, you do that. We also believe in apprenticing, this apprenticing model of leadership, meaning we believe people learn best by doing. And so this summer, not only will you have many of your veteran teachers up here teaching, but we are going to have some of the most gifted young teachers teaching. And their teachings are powerful. And they're really, really good. So I just want to invite you to join us this summer for this important series. So let's get after it, shall we? Let's talk about the question, what is prayer? What is prayer? When I ask that question, what comes into your mind? I wonder about this. Dear eight pounds, six ounce newborn baby Jesus, don't even know a word yet, just a little infant so cuddly but still omnipotent. I want to thank you for this wonderful meal. My two beautiful sons, Walker and Texas Ranger, and my red hot smoking wife, Carly. Messed that up. (laughs) That's from a movie for those of you who are very confused. (laughs) 
I have to be honest with you. I have never been more confused than I am now about prayer. At the same time, I pray more than I ever have. If, if by prayer, I mean being connected in some way with my creator. Sometimes prayer for me is silence. Sometimes it's a whole lot of words. Sometimes prayer is anger or weeping about the state of our world. Sometimes prayer is laughter or bread and wine with friends or a quiet morning on the porch with my husband. Sometimes it is pleading for the safety or health or healing or hope for someone I love. Sometimes it's just a walk around our neighborhood at night. Prayer is one of life's most profound gifts and also one of life's greatest mysteries. And so I want to come at this question, what is prayer, this morning, through three stories about my dogs. You heard that right. Chessie, I found a picture, was our first chocolate lab, the dog of my kid's childhood. Now, I want you to also notice this child here. This is my son, William. This, you're seeing this photo with permission. He had a habit of sucking his thumb and also at the same time sticking his finger as far up his nose as possible. I, so not only do I want you to see the dog of my kid's childhood, but I want you to see my kid. And I want to tell all parents here who have a strange child who does strange things at home, they're going to be just fine. Okay, he's a married, he's a successful lawyer. It's all fine, but that was the bulk of his childhood right there, okay. Chessie, then we have our current dog, Stella. She is the dog that is our kid substitute. She is the dog of the empty nest. And what you need to know about Stella is that she loves to eat. And we feed her at 7.30 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. every day. We have never failed to feed her. Yet each day, about an hour prior to mealtime, she starts to worry. She starts to hover. She's restless. She stares at me. She's unsettled. She very often will jump up and get all up in my face, as if she's convinced I am not going to come through for her, even though I have always come through for her. And it really irritates me. I mean, I can't understand why she doesn't trust me. Haven't I always been faithful? Haven't I promised to take care of her? Doesn't she know that I want her to thrive and therefore I will provide what she needs? She's my dog and I love her. And when she acts all anxious and stressed... I feel sorry for her. And I, I wish she would actually live those wasted moments prior to mealtime, rather than just frittering them away with anxious care. All her anxious care is a complete waste of her time. And I wonder... If God is at times saddened 
by my anxiety, by my worry that he will not provide what I need when I need it, even though God has proven himself faithful every day of my life. And when I ask the same thing of God over and over and over and over again, as if God didn't hear me the first time, is it like, I don't know, is it like Stella circling me, thinking that all her frantic energy is what is going to cause me to give in and eventually feed her? When I pray, meaning I simply tell God of my need, of my concerns, of my hopes, of my fears, I can rest in the knowledge that those things are now in God's good care. Sure, I can pray again about the same thing, but I certainly don't need to nip at God's heels as if he is unconcerned or unaware of my issues. See, God's actions flow out of his love. They are not responses to my level of energy expenditure. Prayer is not about jumping through hoops. Because God knows what I need even before I ask. Listen to these words of Jesus. He said, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. Now, he was Jewish, and he was teaching to a Jewish audience, and he was talking in this instance about people who were outside of the faith. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your father... Listen to this. Your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Think about that. So don't worry about these things. (laughs) Stella, saying, what will I eat? What will I drink? Next slide. What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father, here he goes and says it again, already knows all your needs. How about you? What is it about which you are anxious that God won't come through? What is it that you keep nipping at God's heels about, babbling on and on, as if he didn't hear you? In what ways are you wasting your life on anxious care? Too often, I mistake nipping at God's heels for prayer. But what if I am mistaken? What if prayer is actually Trust. Trust that the God who knows my needs, even before I ask, will provide them for me in some way, shape, or form. 
What if prayer is the kind of trust I wish my Stella would offer me? Because every day at 7.30 and 5.30, I provide what she needs. I always have, and I always will. Sometimes prayer is simply trust. Now, when our first chocolate lab, Chessie, got old, she could barely make her way up and down the basement stairs. And once that old dog shuffled her way down the stairs, making her way back up became highly questionable. She lurched. <laughs> she stumbled. She huffed and puffed her way back up to the main floor, but barely. And eventually I realized it was cruel to allow her to descend to the cool, concrete basement floor, even in the summer heat. Because the chance that she would reemerge without me attempting to lug her squirmy 80-pound body up the stairs was too great. So I shut the door. And Chessie would walk over to the door to the basement numerous times a day. And as dogs do, she would simply stand there at the door, patiently waiting for me to open it so that she could go down those basement stairs to get cool. But I refused. I did not open the door. And she would stand and wait and eventually, after looking at me with confusion, she would shuffle off to a cooler part of the main floor and plop down with a heavy sigh of disappointment. She had no idea that I had shut the door for her own good. All she saw was the closed door. And one day I found myself talking to her, as one does to one's dog. And I said this, I said, Chessie, I know you want to go downstairs, and I know you don't understand why I am saying no to you. But if I let you go down the stairs, if I let you do what you think you want to do, you may never come back up. And I love you too much to make you suffer in that manner. And so even though it seems mean to you, I'm going to keep the door closed because I know better than you what is best for you. And you just have to trust me. And as I heard those words come out of my mouth, I wondered standing in my kitchen, when I stand in front of doors in my life, wondering why God allows them to remain closed, when I imagine a better life on the other side, and I'm frustrated, not just frustrated, I'm ticked off that God won't do what I want God to do, which is simply open the door. It's so simple, God. Does God then whisper to me, Alice, even though it seems mean to you right now, I am keeping that door closed because I know better than you what's best for you. And what you need to do right now is just trust me. Does God say that to me? 
I know he does. God has said through his Old Testament prophet Isaiah this truth. Nope, that's Jesus. That's right. That's Isaiah. But this is the word of God, the voice of God. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, because as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts than your thoughts. You can go back one. Sometimes God lovingly says no to what it is we think we need. Sometimes prayer looks like trusting when we stand in front of a closed door. That door is closed for reasons we cannot fathom because God's thoughts are not our thoughts. God's ways are not our ways. And God knows what is best for us. And sometimes prayer looks like trusting in the heart of the God of the closed door. Have you ever prayed and prayed and prayed for a spouse, for a wayward child, for healing, for hope, for help, for a job, for a sense of purpose, for a break, for anything, only to find yourself in front of a closed door? What if prayer is trusting that that door is closed for ways that are higher than we can understand, but ways that are for, for our own good, even if it makes no sense. What if prayer is saying to the God who loves you, I trust that you know best, and I do not understand why this door is closed, but I trust that you know, and I believe that you love me and that you want what's best for me, and so I trust you with this closed door but I certainly wish you would open it. You can throw that in. (laughs) Because prayer is nothing if we're not going to be honest. But sometimes prayer is trust in the heart of the God of the closed door. Sometimes prayer is just trust in God's heart. Prayer is trust We don't need to nip at God's heels. Prayer is trust that when we face a closed door, we understand that the heart of God toward us is good. Last story. One evening many years ago, when when we still had young kids at home, I was preparing a Stouffer's frozen lasagna for dinner. It was a big night at our house. Frozen dinners were expensive, and this was special. And I was looking forward to an easy meal. Just pop the lasagna out of the freezer, put it on a baking sheet, toss it in the oven, 55 minutes later, voila. And one of our old dog, Chessie's habits was to troll around the kitchen, kind of underneath where the cabinets were, during meal prep, hoping that a scrap or two would make it onto the floor. And she was often rewarded but just with little things, you know, just dribs and drabs, whatever was like down there. But this night, oh, this night, 
She was about to be rewarded immeasurably more than all she could ask or imagine. For as I pulled the lasagna out of the oven and placed it on the counter to cool, something strange happened. The baking sheet I had placed the lasagna on had gotten kind of a twist in it while it was in the oven. And as that baking sheet cooled, the twist untwisted. And that hot pan of lasagna almost magically launched itself into the air, turned upside down mid-air, and landed right on Chessie's wandering back. <laughs> True story. And in a moment of extreme shock and surprise, Chessie was simultaneously injured and in heaven. Because yes, that lasagna was hot, but that hot lasagna was not only on her back, but it was on the floor. And then very quickly, in a twinkle of an eye, it was in her mouth, all of it. And all I could do is yell out, Chuck, order some pizza. And then laugh at the exquisite level of joy and amazement of my always hungry chocolate lab eating the very best surprise of her life. Now, what, what does this have to do with prayer? Sometimes, if we're honest, we don't even know what to pray for. Am I right? And so we settle in life for dribs and drabs, for just whatever crumbs appear on the floor of our daily existence. But God hears the unspoken desires of our hearts. God hears the unspoken desires of your heart and mine. And sometimes, not always, lest we become numb, Sometimes, God gives us more than we could ever ask for or imagine, like a flying pan of lasagna landing on the back of my dog. Sometimes, isn't this true? A gift just lands in our lap, seemingly out of the blue. But we must remember from whence it came and our only response should be to cry out in joy and then to gobble it up with gratitude. This, too, is a kind of prayer. James, a writer in the New Testament, wrote this. He said, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift is from above. What if the simple enjoyment of every good gift in our life is a kind of a prayer? What if you and I practiced lifting our eyes up from sniffing for crumbs and instead watched with expectation for good gifts coming down to us from the Father of lights. And, and big or small, grand or mundane, when a gift lands in your lap, like for instance, this beautiful summer day, what if we enjoyed them and whispered, thank you, thank you, thank you? 
sometimes prayer is enjoyment and gratitude. I don't know much about prayer, friends. I, I don't. But I do know that there is a God who loves us desperately. And that in this dark, scary, beautiful, mysterious world, we need a hand to hold. And somehow, this mysterious act of being in conversation with our creator is about holding God's hand. And it is also about God reaching back through the cosmos to hold our hand too. Prayer is that simple. And prayer is that mysterious. And I believe that the only kind of bad prayer is the prayer that's never prayed. Start where you are. Because prayer is trust. Prayer is trust in God's heart even when the door is closed. And prayer is enjoyment and gratitude. First, savoring the gift and then saying thank you for every good gift that falls out of the sky or flings itself off the kitchen counter. Amen. Another beautiful form of prayer that Jesus has given his followers happened on the night that he was betrayed as he was moving toward the cross. And we have an opportunity now to pray by holding the elements in our hand, the symbols of the body and of the blood. This too, communion, is a form of prayer. Because on that night when Jesus betrayed that Passover night, he took the Passover bread and he broke it. And after he gave thanks, he said to his disciples, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat it in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he took the Passover cup, the wine, and he said, this wine is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink in remembrance of me. And we do that now, like Carla said, in communion with Christians all across the globe, in communion with Christians since that very first night. We take this little wafer and we take this little cup and we are in communication with our creator saying thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm going to pray and then we're going to join in communion and a time of reflection together. Father, thank you that you are a communicating God. You communicate through nature. You communicate through your spirit. You communicate through other people. And you communicate your spirit to our spirit, deep calling to deep. And you ask us, you invite us, your communicating people, to, to communicate back to you, whether that's with words or with silence or with gratitude or with trust. 
We ask you, God, that you would invite and encourage and compel each one of us to take one next step toward becoming praying people. Not in ways that stifle us or that make us fall asleep or that make us feel bad about ourselves, but in simple, honest, childlike ways. Would you teach us that you want to be in community, in communion, in communication with us, starting right now as we take this bread and drink this cup in remembrance of all you've done to make a way for us to live in perpetual, eternal community with you. Amen.